Hi everyone, welcome back to the Logical Bible Study Podcast, where we take a look at the Gospel reading from today's Mass. Okay, so today we're looking at Mark chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Jesus made a tour round the villages, teaching. Then he summoned the twelve and began to send them off in pairs, giving them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no haversack, no coppers for their purses. They were to wear sandals, but, he added, do not take a spare tunic. And he said to them, if you enter a house anywhere, stay there until you leave the district. And if any place does not welcome you and people refuse to listen to you, as you walk away, shake off the dust from under your feet as a sign to them. So they set off to preach repentance. And they cast out many devils, and anointed many sick people with oil, and cured them. So let's start at the start here. Verse 6 says, Jesus made a tour round the villages. So we're still talking in the region of Galilee. By the way, Jesus hasn't gone to Jerusalem, or even the area around Jerusalem yet. He's just stayed in the Galilee region, with although he's had a brief journey across the Sea of Galilee to Gentile territory. But he stayed in that northern part of Israel. Now, verse 7, he summons the 12. So, the 12 that were listed earlier in the Gospel of Mark. He's already um, chosen his 12 apostles, and now he's going to call them aside for a special mission. So, the 12 have now finished their initial training, and he's about to give them specific instructions for how they should carry out their first independent mission. So, we're about to hear Jesus give them instructions for their mission. Remember that earlier in Mark, uh, Mark tells us what the function of the apostles was. One of them was to to be with Jesus, but then another one was to be sent out. And so the word for sent out is actually apostello, apostello. So that's where we get the word apostle from. So the apostles are about to truly become apostles because they're about to be sent out. Now, I want to emphasize what we're about to hear are not instructions for all Christians for all time. He's giving the 12 a specific mission here with specific instructions. So it doesn't all necessarily apply to us in the same way that it did then. So he sends them out in pairs. And there's a lot that could be sent about the significance of pairs. Probably the most obvious reason why he doesn't send them out as individuals is because going out as an individual can be dangerous for one. And also, if you've got the support of another person, you're likely to avoid discouragement and temptation. So, Jesus wants everyone to go with a companion. And also, you think about why not have groups of three or four. Well, they can cover more ground if they split up into more groups. So, you could say that in Jesus' thinking at this point, the ideal number to have in a group is two or to have leading a group. There might be other disciples with them, but it's certainly the apostles that are being sent out here. There could also be an element of establishing a matter by two witnesses. Remember, in the Old Testament, the principle is always, if you want to prove something, you need to have two witnesses. So that could be in view here as well. The actual Greek text here, where he sends them out, actually says, more literally, he began to send them out in pairs. So that might suggest that he's actually calling them, not uh, he's sending them at different times. He's calling aside two of them, 
giving them specific instructions, sending them out. So he could actually be spending quality time with each pair before he sends them out here, which is actually really cool to think about. And he gives them authority over the unclean spirits. So notice here, Jesus imparts his own authority to the apostles so that they can carry out exorcisms. This is their main goal of this part of their ministry. He doesn't say, uh, go perform miracles, cure all the sick. Actually, here he just gives them the authority to cast out demons. So it seems like that's their main thing to do at this point. Which would echo something that was said earlier in Mark. Remember, with the parable of the strong man. Uh, he said that first, the strong man must be bound. And certainly, these exorcisms that Jesus is doing all over Galilee is Satan being slowly bound, his power being reduced, so that then Jesus can, quote, plunder his goods, as in bring the people that are in the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. So that's probably what's going on here. There's a lot of exorcisms in the early stages of the ministry. Now, notice it's not by their own power that they can do ministry. Jesus has to impart his own authority first. He says to them in verse 8, Take nothing for the journey. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on here. Why does he say don't take anything? First thing to keep in mind, though, is that this would be a short journey to the town surrounding Galilee. So each journey was probably only a few weeks long. He says, but you can take a staff. So as in like a stick to help with walking on the uneven roads. He says, don't take any bread. So he wants them to learn to rely on the hospitality of others, genuine hospitality of others, rather than taking their own bread. But then he says, no haversack, or another translation is no bag. So Jesus says they can't even take a bad bag to accept goods from other people on their journey. If people say, you know, take some bread for your journey, thank you for coming, have some bread, they have to say, no, Um, that's Jesus' instruction here. And also no money. So he doesn't want them to be concerned with worldly goods. So they're literally just taking the clothes on their back and a stick, and that's about it. So why does Jesus want them to have poverty on this particular journey? It's because probably he wants them to trust in God. Probably also it could be trying to show the villagers that they're visiting that they're genuine and they're not preaching out of like a worldly gain kind of thing. So they're actually genuine. And Peter learned from this experience because later in Acts chapter 3, Peter would say, he says, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. So Jesus at this stage wants them to live in poverty and just accept the hospitality and the food from other people. Verse 9, but he does say they were to wear sandals, so rather than bare feet. And so the implication here is Jesus at least allows them to have the basic necessities. He's not going to make them go without sandals. So it's not supposed to be a complete mortification type trip. They're allowed to have the necessities. But he then qualifies it by saying, do not take a spare tunic. So again, they can take the absolute necessities, but nothing extra. So this will be a challenge. These are apostles have never done this before. Some of them come from quite wealthy families. James and John were quite wealthy fishermen. So quite an experience for them. Verse 10, Jesus goes on. He says, if you enter a house. Now, this is not, we shouldn't think of this as door-to-door evangelizing, as in the apostles knocked on people's doors and said, can I preach the gospel to you? No, what they would have done is they've gone out into public squares and preached the gospel that way. 
But um, when he says, if you enter a house, he means if someone invites you into their house, which is what the Jews would do in those in that culture. If they liked the message they were hearing from the apostles, a local could invite them to stay. He says, stay there in that house until you leave the district. So Jesus says, you need to be content with whatever house you find yourself in uh, and don't be unnecessarily distracted by trying to find a better house. Verse 11, and if any place does not welcome you and people refuse to listen to you. So here Jesus means if any town, little village as a whole rejects you, if you don't get a good response in a town, then he's going to go on to tell them what to do. But before we look at that, it's worth emphasizing something Jesus says later in the Gospel of Mark. He says to the apostles, he who hears you, hears me. So the principle Jesus sets up is people's response to the apostles is actually their response to Jesus. He's given the apostles his authority. They can go in his name. And therefore, if they reject the legitimate messengers of Jesus, then they reject Jesus. And in fact, that's obviously taken up in Catholic teaching because the Catholic teaching is similar about the magisterium of the church. If you reject the magisterium of the church, you are, in a sense, rejecting the legitimate authority that Jesus has set up. So, with that background, he says, If you go into a town and they refuse to listen to you, as you walk away, shake off the dust from under your feet as a sign to them. Or another translation is, as a testimony against them. So, what's going on here? Shaking the dust off your feet. So, first thing to say is the Jews considered dust to be holy, in a sense. And so, in this culture, actually, if a Jew came back from Gentile territory and came back to Israel they would literally shake the dust off their feet. They would shake that Gentile dust off their feet as they re-entered their home country of Israel to, to show disapproval of the impurity of the Gentiles. So, shaking the dust off their feet, it could be a visible thing, as in people could see them shaking the dust off. That would make sense, because that would make it a visible sign against them. And so, basically... It's a symbolic gesture of repudiation. If you shake the dust off your feet, it's a Jewish way of saying, we do not approve of this place. And that's quite serious. If the apostles end up in a place where that happens, it basically means that place has rejected Jesus' invitation to the kingdom of God, and they're forfeited their salvation, at least on on a town level. Presumably that happened in some towns, although we don't have a list of towns or anything like that at this stage. Verse 12, so they set off to preach repentance. So off they go. Now notice what they're preaching here. It's not God loves you. It's repent if you want to enter the kingdom. Repent, and the Greek word is metanoia. That's Jesus' constant condition. If you want to enter the kingdom, you need to repent, as in stop sinning, turn around and follow the will of God. Verse 13, so they're in the villages and it says they cast out many demons with the authority that Jesus has given them. And remember, demons being exercised is a sign that the kingdom of God is overcoming the kingdom of Satan. So every time a demon is exercised in these early days, Satan feels the loss. He's losing his territory very quickly as these apostles spread out and spread the kingdom. Then they do something else, which is unexpected. They anointed many sick people with oil. So here we have an example of sacramentality, 
God chooses to use physical things to bring healing to people. And here, the apostles, probably based on Jesus' instructions, when there's a sick person, they don't just say a magic word or put their hands on them even. They actually use oil as part of the healing. And so this passage, as well as some others later in the book of James, become the basis for the Catholic teaching on the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Um, So it's really interesting. Even here, they're using oil. Um, which was in Jewish religious ceremonies, it was used a lot. It was considered to represent life and vitality, and it was used to impart blessings and healing. So oil was a Jewish uh, ritual and a a Jewish thing, and the early Christian community here basically puts its stamp of approval on using oil to heal people, and that later becomes the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. There's a few catechism passages here um, that are worth looking at. So, How does the Catholic Church develop teachings based on what we've heard here in Mark 6? So there's some passages about exorcisms, and I'll include those in the show notes, but there's a couple of other ones here that are worth reading. So paragraph 1506, which is in the section about healing the sick, um, you'll hear it quotes directly from this passage. Christ invites his disciples to follow him by taking up their cross in their turn. By following him, they acquire a new outlook on illness and the sick. Jesus associates with them his own life of poverty and service. He makes them share in his ministry of compassion and healing. So they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So you'll hear paragraph 1506 there, quoting directly from Mark chapter 6. And then in paragraph 1511, just a few paragraphs later, there's a discussion there about the anointing of the sick, the sacrament. And here's what it says. The church believes and confesses that among the seven sacraments, there is one especially intended to strengthen those who are being tried by illness, the anointing of the sick. This sacred anointing of the sick was instituted by Christ, our Lord, as a true and proper sacrament of the New Testament. It is alluded to indeed by Mark, but it is recommended to the faithful and promulgated by James the Apostle and brother of the Lord. So there the Catechism quotes from the Council of Trent. So the Council of Trent meant in 1500, and one of the things they decided on was how many sacraments are there. And the justification for the Council of Trent's decision to include the anointing of the sick as a sacrament, you'll hear there that the Council of Trent actually worked out that the anointing of the sick is a sacrament based on this passage in Mark. They actually say the early stages that have found in this passage we've heard today from Mark. Um, So that's quite incredible. The Council of Trent, which was a super important council, uh, developed its teaching quite clearly from Mark chapter 6 here, although it does go on to say in the Council of Trent that anointing of the sick is more clearly explained later in the book of James. Thanks again for listening. Hope you learned something new. And as I said, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me how you found this podcast. Tell me what you're learning and if you have any questions. Thanks for listening.